0: Welcome to Massive Late Fee, and now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me, as always, is my beautiful girlfriend, Carol. How are you doing today, Carol?
1: Hey, what's up?
0: Not much. It's been a good week. It is February 7th.
1: 1998 It is and it's a very very special episode. It's a
0: very special episode. It's our 200th episode.
1: Can you believe it? Now 200. And I mean that's just of the main show though. I mean like in reality we've done, we've done so oh, oh, many more. We've done over 400
0: episodes. Yeah. We've done over We've done over 400 tapes if you if you count everything. I think it's I want to say it's around four hundred and forty or something like that. But I want to, I want to congratulate you, Carol, on making it to episode one hundred ninety-nine that you have recorded. You missed one. You don't remember. You missed an episode.
1: What are you talking about?
0: You were sick and you missed an episode. I had to do an episode with your
1: niece. Oh yeah.
0: You missed one.
1: Why are you being a dick and bringing that up right now? Aw, now I feel sad. It's so much less special.
0: I wanted to, I was going to bring a cake in with 199 (laughs) on it. 199 episodes you've done. I've done 200 now. I've got two pieces of news, Carol. Two pieces of
1: news. Please share.
0: All right. First piece of news, Carol.
1: Yes, Mark.
0: MTV Mod Squad Mix-In Fun Fluffy 3. What? Uh, I don't know what any of this means, but uh, MTV apparently they they've got a I think it's a TV show they're doing they're doing a so the I don't know if you're familiar but the Mod Squad since I'm a grandpa I'll tell you yeah the, please the Mod Squad was a a television show in the 1960s where they I think they were cops I don't think they were FBI or CIA I think they were cops just like regular police but they were like teenage cops and. Mm-hmm. They busted drug drug people and the, the teenage crimes, you know,
1: uh-huh.
0: like uh, Mandy cheated on a test or whatever.
1: Okay. Um,
0: and <laughs> Making was, out at
1: lookout point.
0: Sure. It was, uh, you know, uh, sodomy, stuff like that. Oh, my God. It was uh, teenage crimes. It was, I can't remember, uh, Julie maybe was her name or Christy. I don't remember. There was the girl. And then there was Link and somebody else. Zelda? <laughs> da, da, da. No. Um, But it was, yeah, it was Link with a Q, actually. Oh, weird. But it was three dudes. I'm sorry, two dudes and a lady. Okay. And then their adult handler.
1: What the fuck?
0: And that was a television show in the 60s. So they're remaking it again, uh, MTV is. Uh, From left to right, we've got Edward uh, Atterton, Julie Bowen... I don't know who that is. I don't know who any of these people are. But well, besides the one I'm about to name next, David Warner, the great David Warner. it has been in several Star Treks and other things. Uh, uh, in Time, or it wasn't called it In Time, it was Just In Time. Uh, uh, out of Time, I Like Time. <laughs> okay, I don't remember. He played, so it was H.G. Wells invented an actual time machine and Jack the Ripper like used it to go to modern day London.
1: Okay. And
0: HG Wells had to follow him to like bring him down to like capture him. And uh, David Warner was, I think he was, yeah, he was Jack the Ripper and Malcolm McDowell was HG Wells. Good movie. Um, Weird. Anyway, so he's the adult handler for them and bumper Robinson.
1: What is up with these names?
0: The guy's name is Bumper Robinson. That's his real name. But anyway, they're the stars of uh, the the new TV show, Three.
1: You think his birth certificate says Bumper? That is not his real name.
0: I do. I think it does. Bumper Robinson. But the the TV show is called Three. Uh, If you're seeking innovation and new ideas, definitely avoid Three. How how are you going to call your show three, by the way? But if you don't mind a little mindless escape with familiar formulas, you could do a lot worse than this youth-filled Mission Impossible meets Mod Squad. Now that Buffy the Vampire Slayer has moved to Tuesday nights, three, with its flashy dash of contemporary action adventure, takes over the 9 p.m. Monday slot on the WB starting tonight. They may lack the fresh, amusing zing of Buffy, but these caper-laced tales about an attractive trio of young con artists and scoff- scoff- scofflaws, wow, <clears throat> who are mysteriously recruited to fight crime possess a certain MTV-style energy. So it's not even on MTV. It's, the title of this is MTV Mod Squad Mix in the Fun Fluffy 3.
1: This is so weird.
0: Mike Duffy, what the fuck is wrong with
1: you? Yeah, were you having a stroke when you wrote this one?
0: I mean, I am just absolutely flabbergasted. But, uh, yeah, so you want to check out three? No. On the WB. It does
1: not sound good at all. Yeah. Does it sound interesting to you? No, not really. Okay.
0: I've seen episodes of the mods, but Julie... Her name was definitely Julie. It was Julie, Link, and, I don't know, California.
1: Of course you've seen episodes of the Mod Squad because, like, you existed back in the 60s when it was on TV, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. You're like a frickin' vampire or a lich or something. What the fuck's a lich? It's a, a wizard that, like, never ages, you know? Oh, yeah. You're like a necromancer kind of thing, I think. I'm
0: um, at all times. Yeah, there you go. That is me. Since the dawn of man, I've been here.
1: <laughs> You're creepy now. Stop. And He's I looking will, at me weird. I don't know. And want I, to I get... will be here
0: until <laughs> the heat death of the universe. Wow. Yeah. Okay. But speaking about eternity, mm-hmm. Carol, my next bit of news is on more of a personal basis. Okay. Do you see my pocket right here?
1: Yeah. So
0: there's something in this pocket that you want.
1: You think? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, let me pull it
1: out oh, and geez. see what you think. I'm Carol. not scared at
0: all. <laughs> Carol. <laughs> Carol, full name redacted. Yes. Carol. I'm over here now, away from the microphone. I'm on one knee, Carol. Carol. Let me see your hand. Will you marry me, Carol? Full name redacted.
1: Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Are you serious? Yeah, hundred percent.
0: That's a real ring.
1: In front of a tape recorder and everything, huh? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> at least it's not live. I can um, I
0: can delete it if uh, you say no.
1: Well, of course I'm not going to say no. Oh my god! Uh, yeah. Of oh, course. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Like, there could be any other answer. Oh my gosh. I love it. It's beautiful.
0: Remember years ago?
1: Uh, When you
0: said uh, we wouldn't get married or whatever the fuck you said.
1: (laughs) Well, you know. Remember
0: that? When we were using busted, outdated equipment?
1: We were uh, in a different place in life.
0: We were. It was five years ago.
1: I can't believe this. I got to call my mom. Like, this is exciting.
0: Yeah, it's very exciting.
1: We're going to get married.
0: Yeah, so we'll have to. <clears throat> that that just happened. That's real, everyone. We just got engaged. She's crying. Uh so we'll let you know when the wedding is. You can send gifts.
1: <laughs> yep. But we'll, none of you are. Invited. We'll register at a at a hot uh, topic. What the fuck?
0: Where do you want to register?
1: Um, I don't know. Like uh, Target. Sure. <laughs> I <laughs> think nothing they- <laughs> says high class like. <laughs> I think they have a registry.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, we'll, we'll get to that later.
1: It's exciting. I got to like pick out a dress, and we got to figure out where we're going to do it. Like this is this is exciting shit.
0: Two hundredth episode. Big doings.
1: Yeah. Bridal Guide Magazine. Here I come.
0: So there we go, everyone. We're engaged now. <laughs> no longer my girlfriend Carol. My yeah. Fiance. What are you going to do? Fiance, oh, that's Carol. weird.
1: That is weird. I'm very French. Okay, I'm not going to marry you if you're going to talk like that. This is my fiancé.
0: Oh, no. (laughs) No, no, mon mon, mon petit chéri.
1: What is happening? You don't
0: don't like my French accent?
1: I love you and I love the ring, but you need to stop.
0: (laughs) You don't like the French?
1: I like the French. I don't like this accent. This is how I talk now. Okay.
0: Bonjour. Oh, my petit chérie! How about that? How about some Creole? Oh, my! Oh, my petit chally. I don't
1: understand. You, you, you to me, and then I say yes, and then you punish me by bringing out the accents.
0: Wow, that's hurtful.
1: Uh, it's hurtful when you start doing all your accents.
0: That ring can go back anytime. You know. <laughs> Speaking of taking back something that you've been given.
1: Right. Kind of.
0: We watched Great
1: Expectations. We did with uh, Ethan Hawke and Gwyneth Paltrow.
0: Yeah. Bruce Paltrow and Blythe Danner's
1: kid. Um, Robert De Niro?
0: Yes. That is his name. Very yeah. good.
1: I think that that was... The- who Who played <laughs> the were, old lady? There
0: were other people. Who played the old lady? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: what?
0: How soon they forget?
1: See, I knew she had to be somebody. I can't remember her name. Oh, she's um, not anybody. Okay. No, she is
0: somebody. She's Mel Brooks. She's Mel Brooks's wife. She was in the Anne Bancroft. I couldn't. Okay. Think of her, I couldn't think of her name for a second. She was in the Graduate. She was the. You know, she's she's a a pretty well known actress. Okay. Yeah, she was in the Graduate in the seventies. Was she Hoffman. Mrs. Robinson? Yes, absolutely. She Interesting. Was. Which is interesting with this, you know, yeah. what she's playing here, Miss Havisham, uh, here. But yeah, that's it's Anne Bancroft.
1: I wonder why they changed the names.
0: I don't know. Instead of Pip, which I guess the, the, maybe they thought that was stupid, <laughs> Philip Perip, and they called him Pip. Instead, his, his nickname was Finn.
1: Yeah. It's not better than Pip. No. No, and like Mrs. Havisham, like I've never read the book. Yeah. But I know that character. Yeah. And it was weird when that's not what they called her.
0: This is a lot different than the book.
1: Okay. Tell me.
0: I love Charles Dickens. Mm-hmm. Great Expectations, of course, being Charles Dickens' 13th novel. Wow. Not my favorite of his books. But it's not bad. I mean, Dickens didn't really write any bad books that that were published anyway. Uh, but... This movie, <laughs> tell you, uh, all style, yeah, no substance.
1: Oh come on, how can you say that when it's a classic story? It, it's a
0: classic story. They butchered. They one hundred percent butchered this. This wow. This is so. This is off the success of Romeo plus sign Juliet. <laughs> Equals box office, apparently. But this is this is off that, where it was a lot of style, modernized and all that stuff. Baz Luhrmann, very good director, put that, like, erasmataz in it, right? Mm-hmm. But also still compelling story, because it's, it's, like, as you said, a classic timeless story. This is a, uh, a Mexican-American director named um, Alfonso Caron, who, uh, let me tell you, and I hope good things for him. He he directed something called uh, the Little Princess, I think. We didn't. Okay. We, it's a movie we haven't seen, and a, uh, uh, a movie in Mexico uh, with a Spanish name that I don't know.
1: See, it made me think about a Shirley Temple movie, but I guess that wasn't it.
0: No, 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 no. no. <laughs> it, it, that it came the Little Princess movie came out like a couple, like couple of years ago. Okay. but Warner Brothers just distributed them, so he has a relationship with Warner, Warner. Or had a relationship with Warner Brothers. Um, this. Movie like i said i I hope good things for him for his career because I think he has a good eye as a director but because there are some very interesting shots in here there's a lot of interesting things that they do with the cinematography in here when the so this is great expectations, but it takes place now ish mm-hmm. once they get older they it starts in like the seventies then it's the eighties even at one point. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's character just ham fists in. I, it's not her fault. It's the dialogue that was written. But ham fists in that it's the eighties because she's she's going to a dance. and, yeah. and she's like, "Hey, we're you gonna, you know, who you gonna take?" He's like, "It's the eighties. I can go by myself." And they're like, you know, "No, you can't."
1: The dress that she wore that that was enough. That that would have told yeah. us the time period. That dress, for sure. that dress might as
0: well have had neon lights on it that said, <laughs> "It's the 80s Right. You like the '80s.
1: I love it, though. That's a, a, yeah, a cool dress. A lot of my Barbie dolls had that dress. <laughs> right.
0: So Vanna White had a lot of those dresses.
1: Right. Uh, but
0: anyway, so and then it, and then come and then it's you know it, it undescript time in the '90s. We assume '98, but who knows? Um, but anyway, when they start in Florida, this is one of the good things about it the, with the cinematography and stuff. When they start in Florida, I don't know if you noticed. But the color palette's very warm. Everything's very warm. It's yellowy. It's orangey. Stuff like that. When they get to New York later, everything's very cold. Yeah. It's very blue. It's very dark. It's very... And it's... He... And when she comes back in his life, the color palette changes (laughs) to get warmer again, signifying that she is the light in his life.
1: Which is so not earned.
0: No, it's She's not in this movie. Not I don't in this movie. Like it's her. for sure not earned.
1: Is it in the book? Is she a better person in the book than she is in the movie? Not
0: really. It's debatable. There's the here's the problem, and this is why I say they bastardized the book. Like I said, this is all flash. This is that you couldn't get more. Hey, it's the '90s. It's now. You know, kind of stuff uh about this movie. But it's all that's all it is it's the style of Romeo plus plus two. I mean, it's not the same stuff. Cause it's not as big or flamboyant, but it's the same, like slick style, but none of the substance. It there, great expectations. The, the meaning of great expectations is at three different points in Pip's life. He has great expectations about something that's going to happen. And then he gets disappointed until the end of the book, essentially. Um, but they're, these are all very fleshed out things. And this movie takes each of the story elements and really rushes through it. The yeah. one that it spends any time on is also the boringest part of the movie to me. Okay. Is when he's hanging out with Miss Havisham. I, I don't remember what they call the Ed Bancroft's character. But she's Miss Havisham. Right. Even though she's not in a wedding dress, and she was always in a wedding dress. So oh, the, really? Yes, because she was jilted at the altar. She stayed in that wedding dress all the time
1: but, in the book. Okay, so was she her aunt then, not her mother or grandmother? In or? the
0: book, uh, she's her adopted daughter. Okay. Um, And so I don't know what their relationship in this is, but in the book, she's the adopted daughter. So I assume it's uh, basically the same. But uh, it could be her aunt, too, though. I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know if they made it clear. Hmm. But so they really spend a lot of time on that, on him, his relationship with her. He's an artist in this one instead yeah. of uh, he's a laborer in the book. In the book, his, his ward, he has uh, his uncle, I guess. He has, not his ward, he's the ward of this guy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But uh, they have... His sister has very like a very fiery hot temper and stuff like that.
1: And that's the one, Maggie in the movie anyway. Who yeah was prostituting herself, I believe. Yeah, and
0: yeah. then she left. Mm-hmm. And he's very kind-hearted, very gentle dude in the book and here too, very supportive and stuff. He's a blacksmith. And here, he's a uh, gardener, or fisherman.
1: Whatever. I thought. Yeah. Well, no, he said that they made he made money doing odd jobs. Yeah. So.
0: But he's a blacksmith. And I mean, obviously, I know why they didn't make him a blacksmith. Yeah, the thing doesn't really exist anymore. But he was—he's a blacksmith, and so Pip is apprenticing to become a blacksmith. Then he gets a wealthy benefactor and, that he thinks is Miss Havisham, and he becomes a society person. Right. And then the the story goes from there, which is kind of similar. But like I said, they spend a lot of time on the Havisham stuff and the building up of the characterization, kind of of he and uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. But that's it. Everything else is... Yeah. Everything else is very rushed. All the other parts of the book and all the other character development, it just whizzes by. We get two, three scenes of it, and that's it. Hmm. In the book, in the movie here, she marries Hank Azaria, and then they get divorced. She has a child of of her own, and then they get divorced. In the book, she marries this guy, they, for many, many years, they don't see each other. They don't talk. They write back and forth sometimes. I also don't think they had sex in the book. Well, they like had the,
1: a lot of sex in the movie. Like they do in
0: the movie. They have a, a unrequited love for each other, but I don't think it's ever consummated. Um, but anyway, her husband dies. Oh, okay. She's a widow when they meet again at the end of the book. And she apologizes for all her, all the, like the coldness the, and the wrongness of, and st- you know, like all the, the bad the
1: stuff, the pain that she caused. Yeah. Him.
0: All the bad stuff that she did to him. And he says like throughout the whole book, he's talking about like, he sees a shadow on her face and all this stuff and everything. And the shadow is lifted and then they go off together. And it's implied that they are going to be together now that she's a widow. Hmm. Uh, kind of like at the end of this, it's sort of implied that they're yeah. going to be together now. And we get a lot more of the fact that Miss Havisham in the book is crazy. She mm-hmm. she's like she has like manic depression or schizophrenia or something. She's not well mentally. And she terrorizes her adopted daughter. Oh. And is constantly telling her like how like she makes her afraid to be in love because she was jilted at the altar and she's always talking about like you can't kind of men and all this other stuff and everything, right? So that's why the relationship doesn't work out with them. And then she has a very loveless marriage with her husband who then later dies. And it's not until after she goes through that and she gets older and she deals with some of her pain that she can then reconnect with Pip and they might actually be able to have a chance. None of that's in this.
1: Yeah. Like, I really enjoyed the movie having not read the book, but hearing the story of the book, I can see why it would pale in comparison,
0: also the the guy that she that he rests the the okay so the the convict dude, uh, Robert De Niro's character, who does become his benefactor. It's not Miss Havisham; it's him, and th- it's the same kind of thing. He he sees him and he sees him in the chains and everything, and he says, "Hey, you know, you know, I'll kill you, or whatever. Bring me the stuff and, and everything." Mm. So he brings him a pie. He's nice to him, and he's re- He's wrestling. He like he later, he goes, he's in the woods. Cause this is obviously this all takes place in England. It's the 1800s. It's, it's completely different. Okay. But they not go Florida. Right. So they're <laughs> not in the water, but they go into the woods and he sees him wrestling with another inmate. and then they get captured. He ends up getting out again and making a bunch of money. And that's when he becomes the benefactor. I also, I don't remember cause I haven't read the book in a long time. But I don't think he gets killed. Uh, but he does come at great risk to see Pip because he's not supposed to be there because they're, they're still looking for him to arrest him.
1: He's very, very grateful, obviously, but, I mean, it's it's weird. It seems almost like he's, like, proud of it. Like,
0: yeah, he does take, in the book, he takes a pride of, like, I helped him, you know, okay. kind of thing.
1: Well, yeah, okay, I guess that makes sense. His money helped him, but, like, it's not like he he raised him or something like shit. Like, he was no. just, <laughs> he was acting like he's his long-lost father or something. right. But in
0: the book, because he's not wrestling with another inmate here, in the book, the other inmate that he's wrestling with turns out to be the guy that jilted Miss Havisham at the altar. Really?
1: Yes. Oh, that's funny. And so it's
0: like a lot of stuff all kind of ties in together. And it it doesn't here. So that's why I say, like, good things about the movie, some pretty good performances. I think Ethan Hawke was... Ethan Hawke's a better actor than I think I gave him credit for initially in, yeah. like, reality bites or whatever. He
1: did a really good job. Well, he was also uh, in Gani- was, Gannica. Gannica. Yeah, yeah, he did a really good job there, too.
0: Um, so Ethan Hawke's very good in this. Uh, Bruce Paltrow and Blythe
1: Danner's <laughs> daughter. Gwyneth Paltrow, yes. Is
0: also pretty good, I guess.
1: Pretty good, I guess. Okay. Yeah.
0: And then Anne Bancroft, obviously, is
1: fantastic. I don't know. I mean, like, I'm sure it's just the way that she's supposed to be, but she's so over the top, it didn't really move me.
0: Well, that is how she's supposed to be, but also they didn't it, they didn't write in enough of the the craziness that she clearly has.
1: Right. No, I mean, she seemed she didn't seem insane. She seemed off for sure, like peculiar, almost um,
0: de- almost like with dementia or something like that.
1: Yeah. Um. And it seemed like she was playing with these children's lives, for sure. Yes. But it didn't seem like she was any kind of a villain or, like, completely off her rocker. And
0: in the book, I wouldn't say she's a villain, but she... she
1: terrorizes this girl.
0: Well, it would just with stories of, like, you know, don't... Like, she, like don't... She psychologically terrorizes her I without meaning to. Oh, okay. Um, but, yeah, so I think that's... You know, she... I think it's it's Dickens' way of saying that a lot of times adults do that. Adults take their hurts and they Mm -hmm. pass them on to, they you know they give them away, and that's like how how adults deal with it a lot. And there's 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 tenderness and there's character growth and development. There's stuff that's in. I mean, like I said, it's Dickens, so it's good. But there's a lot of stuff in the book where it's here. It's all like, it's kind of like if the movie started with a dude being like. You know, Great Expectations. You know the story. We we don't need to get into it. Here's a coat of paint. You know, like it's modern times. You know, like that's what it is. It's 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 all slick substance stuff. But there's not a lot under the surface there for me.
1: I guess. Uh, There was. I mean, I guess I see what you're saying. There's not a lot of depth, but it was still for me. It was an enjoyable watch. Um, I, I liked the love story. I, yeah it's it,
0: it's your it's up your alley because it's a it's a painful bittersweet love story
1: yeah. um i didn't I felt uncomfortable <laughs> watching the children together though because like when she kissed him like that went on way too long and like the camera's way too close and we're looking at two little children's tongues, tongues touching and stuff it's like oh, what yeah. the fuck is happening right now it's French there's like pedophilia on on screen there it's a little
0: except they're both kids
1: yeah. Well, no, but I mean, like, whoever was recording that, like, and giving oh, that okay. direction. All like... of us.
0: We're all on lists now. Right. I
1: see. <laughs> it just seemed kind of a little bit much for 10-year-olds.
0: Yeah, I agree. That was probably a little bit too much.
1: And every single week, they get together and dance and stuff. And, like, you think they would have been closer, I guess, than they seemed to be?
0: That's the other thing, too. There doesn't seem to be a lot of closeness between them.
1: But in the book, was there? Yeah. Okay, well, that's, yeah. Well, then that's a failing, for sure. Because that was the one thing that I was like, "Mm, okay, I know he, like, has a thing for her because he had a thing for her from the beginning that pretty much Miss Havisham told him, hey, you gotta love her. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like she put it in his mind. Yes,
0: I agree, 100%. And, um...
1: You know, I don't, I don't know. It just, there was no, I didn't see the reciprocation at all.
0: I didn't either. She's all, she seemed very cold, austere. I don't know if that was the direction she was given. I don't know if that's how she played it. It didn't seem like her and Ethan Hawke had a ton of chemistry no. together on screen, which also not like he and Uma Thurman did. Yeah. So it's like the, the, Ganica. So that's, it's the difference, you know, um, that scene where he's his hands, yeah, like under her skirt and stuff like that felt more uncomfortable than sexy.
1: Yeah, yeah, agreed. It did.
0: And it was like, I'm thinking, like, what, what, why? What is going on? What, what is the purpose of any yeah, of what this? What
1: is happening? And then she just disappears. That was how she says goodbye to him, right?
0: She's like, Oh, I'm out. See ya. <laughs> like, what the fuck? And then, yeah, he goes to Havisham and she's like, Oh, yeah, she left for New York. She didn't tell you. She didn't do anything special
1: for you. It's like, well, she let me touch her. (laughs) That that was her her special. God, telling you. Oh, I. And then she comes up and kisses him in New York, which I thought to
0: this dude.
1: I thought that she was the benefactor. Maybe I thought maybe she sent for him, like she's bored with her life. Right. So that made sense to me then that she did that. But finding out later that it was just a random happenstance that she even saw him, and then she greets him seven years later by sticking her tongue on his mouth. Like, what? Yeah. What?
0: Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's weird.
1: And, yeah, and she was engaged. Well, she wasn't engaged. She was dating the guy. She, she wanted well, to be she's engaged. She's
0: dating the guy. And then, yeah, and then they have sex.
1: Yeah. When well, she's
0: engaged. She posed
1: whatever. nude for him first. Right. And then, then he just comes up to her in the restaurant with the fiancé. Mm-hmm. And says, do you want to dance? And she leaves with him, and yet she still ends up marrying this guy?
0: Yeah, that guy had no self-respect, I'm telling
1: you. Right? I mean, that made no fucking sense.
0: The guy next to him's like, is everything okay? (laughs) (laughs) So it seemed like that guy wasn't even in the movie. He's like, what is going on?
1: (laughs) It was very weird. Yeah. Like... I I don't I don't understand. And like I would have liked to have understood that relationship a little bit better too, I guess. Exactly.
0: That's what I'm saying. I I wanted more depth in what they should have done is I guess realize that we've all we all know the basic story of great expectations. Start with Robert De Niro real quick. If you want if you even want to incorporate that, which you don't need to, but if you want to incorporate that benefactor thing, start with that real quick, establish she's nice guy or whatever. Then do the Havisham stuff like they did. Speed run that. Do that a little bit faster. Get them to adulthood a little bit faster. Just establish that, like, yeah, they're kids. They're seeing each other every weekend. Get them to adulthood faster, and then play a little bit with their with their relationship mm-hmm. and, and and give us a little more of their adult conversation one on one with each other, and then move into her leaving, move in, and then go to New York and spend a lot more time in New York. Explore all, because that's, that's the bulk of where this, the way they've structured this version of it, mm-hmm. that's the bulk of where this story is. That's the bulk of where the relationships are, of what's going on. Him, her, the love triangle, all that stuff. Get a lot more into that. Have some scenes with just her and Hank area without Finn around so we can see them on their own and what they're like together. Yeah. What is she giving up? Why is she with this guy instead of Ethan Hawke? What is it about like him? And we can see the the safety and stuff like that. Or the whatever, the anodyne nature of their relationship. And, and you know, she's afraid of love and, and stuff like that. He represents security without the need to feel emotions and stuff. Because <laughs> she's afraid of it. You know, like show us that stuff.
1: I mean... I guess it's hinted just by the way he reacts to her and, and uh Ethan Hawke like yeah. that he's not very emotionally invested in what's going on. And
0: then he ha- and that Ethan Hawke has to basically tell him, "Yeah, you know, you should marry her." like kind of thing. Yeah. Um and so yeah, there there are hints of it, but we don't get it's it's all too because it's only really hinted at. It enhances the surface level nature of the story. There's not there's not enough depth there. Yeah. We need a scene of Gwyneth Paltrow and Hank Azaria alone in his lavish apartment or whatever, something happening and she's she's clearly upset or whatever, you know, she's talking about him, she's talking about Ethan Hawke or whatever. And the guy's just like, mm, uh-huh. you know, like barely listening and stuff, <laughs> detached and stuff. And her just snapping and being like, you know, why why are you so cold? You know, like, I'm not going to write the dialogue. But we need that scene mm-hmm. of her getting so frustrated with him and angry at the way he is. But then ultimately settling for that because of her fear. Then we need, in contrast, we need a scene of her and Ethan Hawke together. And him saying, like, let's, you know, we can, it can be us, you know, and everything. Yeah. And her pulling away from that. There her was, being cold, it mirroring him right. in that scenario. We need that stuff.
1: Yeah, and there wasn't enough, I think, dialogue at all between her and Ethan Hawke. Yeah. It was mostly, you know, physical stuff. It was, you know, the kissing or the dancing mm. or whatever. Yeah.
0: But like I said, the, a lot of the shot, the cinematography I've talked about, which I, I found fascinating and good. Obviously, the editing's good. Um, so a lot of the shots, the pull back from the from he's in the water and he comes out onto the shore to to run after his boat gets uh, gets pulled back in early mm-hmm. in the movie when he's a kid, and the pull back from from the water through the. Through the gates of the the pier, and then the the dolly shot alongside as we follow him running in the pier till he gets into the car. Great, great shots. I mean, oh, just yeah. like a very a very good eye for how he wants things to look. And there's there's a lot of after he gets out off the dock. There's a lot of quick cuts in there where there's a. Like, you know, there's a close up of him and then there's uh you know, we get the distance shot and we get we get all the different things, we understand everything that's going on. So there's the shot compositions and, and the choices editing wise of, of what what sequence to go in. everything works really well. The direction's good on a technical yeah. mechanical aspect. I don't know how well Alfonso Caron directed the acting in this.
1: Yeah. And
0: I I didn't love the script.
1: The camera kind of told the story of what emotions you're supposed to be feeling whether you were or not because of the story. Right. Just like how disorienting some of the shots were. Mm-hmm. You know the the distance like between him and his uncle when he's getting on the plane or you know stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Absolutely, yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the staging of that and like you said there's, you know, he comes to see Miss Havisham when she's in the he thinks Gwyneth Paltrow is going to be there. It's this lavish like New York apartment, huge New York apartment. And she's there and all of a sudden it's Dutch angled, yeah. you know, and, and, and because she's not in a right space either. Yeah. He's disoriented because he doesn't expect her to be there. She's also she's also just out of it. Mm-hmm. And
1: she looked you know, so much nicer. Like not all made up.
0: Yeah, well that's the and that's the other thing too, is I liked the makeup. I liked the costuming. Even though I do think she should have been in a wedding dress at least once. Yeah. But I did like the costume. and I, I liked the, the makeup and everything on her and stuff, especially the way they, because it's part of her character, too. She's she's fully made up with the, the white makeup and everything. She's ready for her virginal wedding day. That's how they used to, to make themselves up. I mean, mm. it's, so I like the attention to that detail. And everything. I just, I just wish there was more. I wish there was more depth of emotion to the story.
1: And I mean, they tried. Like they threw. I've got to assume this came directly from the book. The line about, you know, this is my heart. It's broken. Yes. I don't think so. I don't think
0: that's in the book. Huh. I think they came up with that.
1: Because I mean, that that I think was like they're they're really trying to get us to feel something. And yeah,
0: I think the writer just panicked at that point.
1: It's like (laughs) I got to think of something good. (laughs) And her reaction to him telling her, you know, this is my heart and it's broken was too big.
0: Yes. Because Agreed.
1: I don't think she cared that much about him.
0: I don't see how she could
1: have. So why would she care that she broke his heart?
0: Yeah. It was like a he was like a plaything for her. Mm hmm. And you know, I mean that's both kids were.
1: Yeah, oh what have I done? Oh no, like right. mm-hmm. You did exactly what you set out to do.
0: Yeah, I don't, I didn't, I didn't buy that either. Yeah. And Bancroft's a great actress, but I, you know, I, she can only do so much. (laughs) So, yeah, I think this, I think the screen probably lets us down with the, I think that's the biggest failing of the movie with just, I don't, I don't, I don't love the way the story's structured and I, I don't like the surface level nature of it. They, what they, they chose wrong adapt great Expectations, sure bring it in the modern times sure and making him a painter instead of a laborer and stuff like that very good like his arc of like i'm poor i have a benefactor i've always been a drawer painter and stuff like that i have this big art show like that's a good arc Mm -hmm. that's that's a, a wholly separate arc from what pip has in great expectations but that's a good modern reinterpretation of things right that you can hang as a framework to hang all this stuff on and her being a socialite and whatever that's that's pretty much the same and that's that's fine um and all of that makes sense but where they failed is they took out things they shouldn't have taken out and they left in things they shouldn't have left in yeah and like i said to me the biggest thing is just the way it's structured there's way too much time spent on them as children and way too much time of just kind of nothing happening in Miss Havisham's dilapidated mansion. And not enough of the actual parts that where we could connect. Because when they're kids, it's like... And this happens a lot in in fiction and things like that. In writing, it's a little bit easier to do it. But on film, it's like... Once they become adults, they're almost different, completely different characters. Mm-hmm. If we don't go through all of their lives or the major, major, major moments of their lives, Forrest Gump's like one example of like where you can actually do it. Him as a, a, a young boy and then to him as an adult feels like the same character, but it feels like the same character because we hit so many beats throughout his life. We see every major important like thing of him growing and stuff when you start out as kids and then you're like you know twirl this little girl around and then it's going to dissolve into to Gwyneth Paltrow and Ethan Hawke we missed way too much and so we don't we don't connect with the the characters that way so when you spend so much time on the characters as kids in one location where you're not we're not going we're not going from time to time to time with them they spend a lot of this movie, like a third of this movie, with them as kids meeting, him drawing, and just kind of slowly this one day mm-hmm. or a couple days that he spends at the mansion. That's a lot of the movie. And then suddenly they're adults, and it's like, no. The adult characters, that's the ones we're going to connect with. So shorten all that down. Establish the stuff you need to establish of, of this is what's happening. He's going to come here every week and stuff but then quickly get to them being adults and start establishing the characters there.
1: Yeah, I can see. I can see your your problems with it. I enjoyed it still, though.
0: It wasn't terrible, but I cannot personally give it a recommend.
1: If you're looking for something that's pretty to look at and you never read the book sure. and you like sad love stories, then go for it. Yeah,
0: I mean, I, I can agree with that. But that is the episode, the 200th episode, the engagement episode.
1: You're not going to jilt me and leave me at the altar. No, I won't
0: miss Havisham you. All right. (laughs) But that is the episode, everybody, Carol.
1: So you can write us at at latefee1994awol.com. Yeah,
0: congratulate us.
1: Check out our website at Mm www.retrolatefee.com. And share the tapes with your friends. All right,
0: we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.